Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you liked what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today we get to welcome the incredible Aaron Waves into the show. Uh, Aaron is a United States Marine Corps veteran. He is a actor stuntman. He is a fitness, life, nutrition, health coach. Uh, some of his clients include The Rock, Josh Brolin, Zach Efron, Jamie Foxx. And some of the movies and stunts he's done work in uh, has been Bright, uh, Terminator Genesis, The Forever, The First Purge, uh, GI Joe Retaliation, um, and uh, today it's been a it's been an honor to kind of get to know Aaron through the time here and just try to set this up. But again, Aaron, thank you for jumping on here. Yeah, thank you, John. I really appreciate what you're doing, and uh, it's uh, I'm looking forward to just cutting it up with you. Finally, we've been talking about it for a while, and uh, I kind of want to start here. It's when I started this podcast, the start of the pandemic, I obviously people that follow, that follow this podcast know I've had a lot of friends on here from different industries, whether it's martial arts, military, authors, actors. And I, I've, I've started to gravitate towards people like yourself that not only do you check off all those boxes, but you are someone that I gravitate towards because you're real, you're genuine, you're someone that weighs your heart on your sleeve, you've had the ups and you've had the lowest of lows, yet here you are still kicking ass and being a role model for those that are kind of searching for themselves. And so, again, thank you for jumping on here. One of those things where I want to start off is, before we get into like the minutia of the military life and the transition in and out of that, the idea is that as a child, when it comes to finding one's purpose, I found that people have to kind of go through a lot, through hell and back. And as a kid, before the military, were you someone that, maybe do what you wanted to do or like how did you kind of settle in the military and was it the first option you had yeah it was actually uh kind of a last resort to be honest with you i was i was pretty broken as a kid did you know got into drugs early you know got into the whole fighting scene just led me down the wrong path where you don't have any respect for authority you think you know everything and uh just there's no there's no end in sight in terms of like having a successful adult uh, life. So for me, once junior, senior year of high school started to roll around, it was like, all right, well, the reality of being an adult now is, is actually hitting me. So what am I going to do? Because I've squandered all the opportunities before of being able to do something in college or sports or whatever. So in my mind, uh, the Marine Corps was the best of the best. And uh, that's, that was, what I wanted to do and just kind of defy the odds because I was such a, a broken kid that no one thought I'd be able to actually make it through boot camp and become a Marine. When you mentioned like the drugs and chasing trouble and the fights, was that type of stuff a safety net for you in terms of it was a comfort zone where you knew that lifestyle and you, maybe you were afraid to find out who you really are, could be. Um, up until sixth grade, um, I was just a normal kid living a normal life with uh, with mom and, and dad. And then they got a divorce or started going through a divorce in sixth grade. And it, it affected me in a really weird way. So I kind of just turned inward and uh, uh, got depressed. And I think that kind of showed that I was uh, kind of in my in my emotions a little bit, which made me an easy target for some of the the other guys at the, at the school I went to and, and you know, started to kind of take it to me 
steal my money, do all the, the normal shit you hear. But uh, it's uh, it just led me into that path. So it's not something where I was a bad kid. It just the constant bombardment of uh, of harassment and uh, and and violence caused me to react in the same way. Was there ever a trepidation on your part when you first got into the Marine Corps where you're like, holy shit, like what is going on now? Like, is this really the right thing for me? Yeah. When I, as soon as I showed up to Paris Island and got on those yellow footprints and was had spit in my face, <laughs> that's, that's when I knew I was in another world. When it, for terms of leadership there, when you, when you listen to the, your team leaders and other people in your platoon and all that stuff, were there certain individuals in your life that you looked upon and you kind of like, maybe I can follow this person's footsteps or was this one of these things where these, a, a combination of these people kind of forged who you would slowly become? It, it was, to be honest with you, it was really about self-discovery for me because when I actually embraced some discipline and structure for the first time, it brought out so many qualities in me that I never knew I had. And I, I just, I just started to thrive off of it. And, and this mindset came about of, you know what, I really can't accomplish anything I want to accomplish if I just really focus on it and and, and do the right things to, to put me in the right frame of mind to, to push forward through whatever obstacle. And that's really the, the beginning of my, my whole career now. You know, I graduated high school, joined the Marine Corps right after, and I've literally been on this crazy journey ever since. But it's that it's that Marine Corps mindset that I can do anything mindset that is just, I mean, honestly, it's helped keep me alive. In terms of like the military life, were you always into fitness or once you got to the Marine Corps, you're kind of like, okay, when I'm not drilling and doing all this other stuff, I can focus on hitting the gym and stuff like that. Or is that something that kind of fell into your lap? Uh, I played sports a little bit in high school. Got I, I trained a little bit, really didn't know what I was doing too well. But when I joined the Marine Corps in 98, I had my first deployment to uh, Okinawa in 99. And that's when I, I truly fell in love with fitness and started to go through my own transformation. So um, that's when the whole thing started for me was on this, you know, tiny basin in the middle of Okinawa. It's crazy. I've had other veterans on the show and I've had other fitness guys on the show, but it's always interesting, especially with the military guys that they've, they've fell into, whether it's nutrition or fitness or some aspect of health that the military for all its intents and purposes, like they really, they wish they had promoted maybe fitness a little bit more outside of the idea of push up sit-ups, the PT tests, this idea of nutrition. And so when it comes to like eating healthy for his, you've noticed a change or if you talk to people still in the military where they've noticed that maybe nutrition is at a higher forefront now, as opposed to just doing the push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think there's more emphasis on it. Um, but I also think we're a lot softer now in terms of our mindset. So it doesn't really help much. Yeah. I wish, I wish we would have had more emphasis back on it then when we had that warrior mindset instead of where it's going now. I don't like the direction the military is going now. And uh I hope I hope some semblance of the warrior mindset comes back to it with that emphasis on uh on nutrition and health too, because it's such a huge part of it. Like you said, I mean, if you're on a field op you know, and you're in the, in the woods or jungle or wherever you are for, you know, a week, two weeks, a month, it becomes very important to be putting the right things in your body to, to sustain energy and be able to effectively, you know, produce. You mentioned the warrior mindset and the trajectory 
I try to stay out of politics on the podcast just because it's it's just, it's just the whole thing infuriates me on both sides. But when it comes to the military, growing up, and then even hearing my grandfather's who were military, and my uncle was a Navy SEAL, and even watching the old John Wayne military movies with Robert Mitchum and stuff, military, the U.S. military was such a profound, iconic thing, and now it's almost become almost like I'm not gonna say laughing stock because there's men and women there still serving that. I'd love to shout out that it's they give yourself to something bigger than you. It's, it's just amazing. But it's almost like people in the higher up positions don't are scared of the warrior mindset or they're scared of promoting a strong military. It's just, how do you get out of that mindset where it's like, Hey, it's okay to be the warrior mindset. There's nothing wrong with being a warrior. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by what's happening right now, but I mean, when you, when you really think about it, the, the human experiment of freedom here in the country. And, and we have the, the freedoms we have because of that military might, because of that warrior mindset, the fact that no one wants to mess with someone who is going to just be savage in their response. And it's just the way it is. You know, an enemy doesn't fear you when you're trying to be nice. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, there's, the warrior mindset is there for a reason. You know, we, we go through what we go through in boot camp for a reason to prepare you for the worst of the worst. And I can speak firsthand, you know, being in a combat environment for so many years that you will see things that you can't even fathom, even though you went through it and you saw it and you think back on it and you can't believe that was real. And it sticks with you every single day. There's not a time that goes by during the course of a day that I don't replay so many things in my mind and I'm I'm just grateful to be in such an amazing country. And I just pray that we can keep it that way. Based on your current workload in terms of when it comes to coaching, whether celebrities or other uh, athletes or even acting studs, it seems like you've brought that warrior mindset out into the civilian world, as you say. Uh, is that something for you when you wake up every day, it's like important to kill, still and still that type of mindset in terms of no matter what you're doing each day, wake up and just conquer the shit out of it? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I feel like I've just kind of grown up in a, and just have had a, a very hard life. So a lot of the comfort and, and things that a lot of people enjoy, I don't really understand because I never had it. So, you know, my, you know, my indoctrination into adulthood was, you know, Marine Corps boot camp and, and, you know, traveling the world, seeing all this stuff. So <clears throat> I just know what it did for me. And I know that whenever I'm I'm coaching people and 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 helping my clients with with their mindset, it it's it's just an it 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 happens organically when you can just embrace that you can do more than you think you can do. You start to learn so many other things about yourself that you wouldn't have known otherwise, and and that's why I call my you know my coaching my program a lifestyle program because you really you're about to learn a lot about yourself that that you didn't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's so important. It is fascinating when you look at the everyone from The Rock or Zach Efron or Josh Brawler that speaks so highly of your work. It's like, like how many times have those actors or celebrities or athletes come across maybe people like you that maybe obviously don't do what you do at the level you do it at, but have had the impact you've had on these people to really help them find themselves and be like, you know what, I can't do this for this role. Or even the celebrities that when you work with them, they're kind of like, oh, this is so tough. It's like, well, this is my story. I was down the dumps. I was homeless. I was living in my car. I was going through everything. I did drugs. It's like, here I am today. If I could do this, why can't you? Like, is that yeah. the type, is that kind of fuel them when they look at you and hear your story? Yeah, I, I think so to a certain degree. And, you know, 
at the end of the day, celebrities are just normal human beings like right. you and I. It, it's just so happens that we're just watching them on a screen that's played everywhere over the world. Uh, but they can they can still there there's still things to be learned within themselves and. I think this is partly why I've had such success in the industry is is because I could care less about the celebrity, whatever, you know what I mean? It's like when I'm meeting someone, um, whether it's The Rock or, you know, Amelia Clark, whoever it is, I'm approaching them as a client, you know, how can I help you? What can I do to, to make things better? How can I, um, you know, transform you the way you want to be transformed? And, uh, and you just start having these conversations and you organically kind of grow this relationship. And when it doesn't have something to do with celebrity and you're not wanting something from them rather than wanting something it's more like giving and i think in in the celebrity channels it's it's a big it's very different because everyone's always wanting something from them right. so when they're working with someone who wants to help and not want um there you you can you can you can grow a successful relationship and have a have a great transformation have a good client you know trainer relationship and who knows what kind of opportunities come off of it but at the same time you're really helping them do something that they've not been able to do before, you know, predominantly being surrounded by people who might be more like, you know, yeah, you're doing great, you know, but realistically, you know, they're not doing great. You know, it's fascinating to me that someone like you, when you look at someone like the rock, I went specifically to GI Joe retaliation, that whole cast is martial artists from Ray Park, all these alpha female males. You would think, why does the rock need a coach? Why does why does the rock need a nutritionist? And it's like you don't realize that even these top athletes need someone like you to hold them accountable. It's just when I started doing research on you, like everything the rock says about you is like what you just the shit you know and all the stuff. It's when you look at the rock now on social media, you're like, oh, this guy's working out all the time, and it's just him. It's like there's a team around these people that actually keep pushing them too and make sure they do the right thing. It's, it's super surreal to me. Yeah, you figure when it comes to the celebrities, you know, such as The Rock and and these other, you know, muscled up guys, they're they're not they don't have the time to sit there and, and, and you know read fitness and nutrition literature all day long. Right. So they know what they know, but as time goes on, you know, fitness and 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 nutrition continually become better through scientific studies and and technology. So it's always leveraging you know, what, you know, to make things better. So yeah. And, and the accountability part is huge too, because I mean, even for me, if I have a long, if I have a long day and I haven't been able to train and it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night, you and trying to muster up that energy to go in there and know that you're about to cause pain and, and, and hurt yourself in a way that's good for growth, but it, you just know how much energy it's going to take. It's easier when you have someone there who's waiting on you, who's going to, have everything ready to go for you. You know, it's, it, it just, it makes things much more beneficial for the actor in terms of being able to stay adherent to whatever transformation they have to go under. Yeah. Again, it's just, it's just so fascinating in terms of people don't look at, I guess before the pandemic, I looked at nutrition, health, fitness, all oh, you'll do it when you can do it. But it's like somebody, when you get to these celebrity level, this, these ultra, these people out there like the rock, it's nutritionist or fitness coach is no different than say uh, a driver if you're doing a press talk or a pilot to get you there or uh, your you, whoever it is the guy that runs your landscaping or security or whatever it is like in order to maintain this level that the someone like the rock is at you need like an Aaron Williams in there and it just it really puts 
for someone like you, there must be a sense of pride too, where it's like you could not only can you affect me off the street or someone like that, but you can affect someone that everyone in the world knows who it is. And it's like to have your kind of fingerprints on that type of stuff. It's again, it's got to be pretty humbling for you. Uh, very much, very, very surreal too, because you it always bring you back. It always brings me back to my roots. Like man, I remember you know being a kid watching this guy on TV, and you yeah. know here I am now helping him in his you know fitness journey, getting ready for this role. And yeah, and it also it it also by by working with these celebrities, it also allows you to have a bigger reach, so more people can find out about who you are, know about your story, and then maybe work with you as well. Before we get into like how you transitioned to actually full fledged uh, acting and like the fitness stuff, you've you jumped around a little bit in the military with the Marine Corps. As the the body bear for Arlington Cemetery, when the men and women come home and Pat they got killed in combat, that type of job. I mean, I've always looked at people like that, or the people who did the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Obviously, it's prestigious, but the weight of that job. Was there ever a time when you're doing that that even still to this day, where you're kind of like, you have to take a deep breath and be like, like this is the power of this of of handling these bodies of these these incredible men and women that gave their life for the country. It's, were you ever kind of like, man, like, I don't know if I could do this. Um, the, the way, the way I looked at that, that duty. And I, I always say it was the most humbling experience I've ever had because you're literally the last image a family is going to have of their, of their loved one. And, you know, for me, when I became the section leader for the body bearers, um, it was important for me to make sure that no one ever got complacent because figure when you get up every day and you know, you're going out to the cemetery to, to, to do funerals. I mean, you might have four or five funerals in a day. You might have 25 in a week figure that. I mean, that's, that's a lot every day. That's a lot a month. So it becomes so repetitious. And for me, it was important to make sure that my Marines did not get complacent in what they were doing so we would, you know, do things we would uh, like, uh, you know, we'd go to the funeral home, you know, every month or every other month just to to kind of put things into perspective, to see the human body and in, in a form of you know, like this is this is the process that's happening before they come to you. And then thinking about the family and, you know, there was videos that we would watch and just always keeping it real. Um, there was never a point where it, where I thought it was too much for me, but but more so of. I'm so honored to be able to do this and, and, and to, to, you know, to give this Marine um, or their, their family member, the, the proper respect and honor as we, you know, place them into the ground. Is that, how do you, how does one get that job? Is that like a, well, like maybe not a promotion per se, maybe, but is it like a, someone sees you like, Hey, you should put it for this. Or is this one of these like MOSs you can kind of put in for? It's a, it's a very small, uh, unit within the Marine Corps. I never even knew about it, um, and, uh, until I until I heard about it. I never knew it was a thing. But uh, it's fifteen to 20, 20 person section in the Marine Corps. You have to fit a lot of uh, different criteria in terms of, you know, your your mental capability, your your financial ability, like just being a, an overall responsible person, and at the same time, you know, meeting a certain height requirement. Um, being able to, to pass uh, certain strength requirements because, you know, there's times where a funeral is rolling up to the cemetery. You don't know how heavy this thing is going to be. And, and, and for an example, we have one that was literally the, the, the bottom of it was, was all marble. 
So they had to reinforce the handles with steel and uh, like literally knock the taste right out of your mouth. So you're doing a funeral that, you know, you can't, uh, it's just, you see in stars, you can't feel your mouth, but no one would ever know because you're so composed. You know, we trained so hard and so heavy for so long every day that nothing was going to get in our way from performing a flawless funeral. When uh, I had the honor of being on a flight a couple of years ago, this is back when I just got out of the government stuff, and we're there. One of the, the airplane was carrying a body, and I, I, you could do, I do, but when you walk out there, you see the the Marine Corps guys sitting right there in the front, full uniform, and you can kind of tell like it's very somber. Uh, it was it was awesome to see like the pilot say, "Hey, we had the honor of carrying so and so." Uh, please let the breed officer get or whoever it was get off the plane and collect the body. Like, none of us moved. And watching like the flight staff actually kind of on the ground when the casket was coming off, like just the amount of respect for there. It's like it's moments like that, um, or moments when the Marine Corps or veterans are coming home from flights and people are greeting at the airports as total strangers. It's moments like that that I wish the media showcased or people put out there as, as goodwill is the, the stuff on social media that, that should be that. But unfortunately we don't have that. It's like, if someone could see that witness that firsthand, I think their opinion of not only their country, but life and honor and service would change. And it's like, it's unfortunate that those lives have to be lost, but maybe it's a, again, another subtle reminder. Maybe it's a reminder for me to be like, you know what, respect what we have because there's people dying as we speak to give you this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there. There's there's nothing else that I've ever done in my life that have had that is that has had that much impact on me. Um, you know, I buried, I I did funerals for um both my grandfathers, uh, just really uh really emotional stuff for me. But you know, being able to, you know, to give families that that peace of mind and just to right. just to show them how how loved and how much respect we have for. Uh, the service their family members, uh, you know, provided and all the sacrifices is something you can't put into words ever. From that moment, correct me if I'm wrong, you actually transitioned. Now you start working security for uh, Joint Chief of Staff uh, General Peter Pace. Uh, what was that like in terms of logistics and advancing in terms of his security? Yeah, it was it was interesting because, um, you know, we are. So we have our, our the 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 close in security team, and then the uh, the rest of the security would would bounce around between uh, Army CID, and uh, so we we're just a very close knit family, which is how it should be when you're providing security right. for someone because you've got to be able to know that you you can trust this person to your left and right because when you go into a hostile territory like you know somewhere in Afghanistan or somewhere in Iraq, you've got to know that you know your shit's locked on. Right. Um, it was, uh, I had to go through a lot of training. I went through months and months and months of training to, to, to learn everything I needed to learn in order to effectively, you know, be security for him because of how, how important his role was. So we would travel all the time. We were always on the road, you know, always with a chase vehicle, you know, when we flew, we'd have advanced teams, you know, making sure that everything was set up, you know, we do an advance overseas in, in uh, different countries and it was just like team after team after team. So, I mean, logistically it, you can't, and as you know, being in security, I mean, it's, it's a full-time job trying to make sure that everything's in place. And I mean, it's like when, when, when it's time to, when, you know, when, when it's time to go, it's like sometimes your butt puckers. Cause it's like, man, I hope, it, 
everything has got to be locked on. Yep. It's one of those things too, as you know, you, there's only so much you can do as an individual in your role or position. You have a team you have to work with, or when it comes to advancing or local counterparts, local law enforcement, local military personnel. And it's, it is, it is so cool when a, an event goes down, whether it's a high level meeting or a concert or whatever it is with your client, when it effectively gets pulled off, there's like this sense of relief where it's like, but then you realize you got to do this every day of the week. Yeah. So I don't think a lot of people realize the amount of work that goes into sure. You see the show or, Hey, here's the clip on Fox news of Peter Pace with the president or whoever, but it's like, there's so much behind the details with that stuff. And again, with you to be part of that and a reason why that stuff's able to happen, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And, and there's, there's so much stress that goes with it too. You know, I, I'll never forget. We were doing a big media event in Afghanistan and I remember we were kind of in like a horseshoe uh, place, right? And there were, you can see the, the buildings up top. And I mean, I just kept seeing this guy just walk around and he would stare out the window and he would go to another window. And it's like stuff like that, where it's like, you've, you've got to be so prepared. And then at the same time, hoping that whatever, like, just praying that whoever is up there doesn't do something stupid. Yeah. I mean, cause really like you don't know what people are going to do. And sometimes they don't even have any ill intention, but because security is so paramount, it's, it's the littlest thing can go sideways in, in the matter of a heartbeat. When you leave the Marine Corps, you end up going back as a military contractor and you work in this program dealing with the forensics and stuff. And I had no idea, like I just, with law enforcement, I understand forensics and CSI, all that stuff there, but from a military standpoint, Kind of tell me, like, tell us, like, a little about what the forensic department you worked with as a contractor because it's it's super fascinating. Yeah, so it's, it's a part of the war that you don't hear about and most oh. people don't even know about. But it's uh, it was it was great work that we did. That I feel, regardless of how how the war started or what went on, our country here and honestly around the world, people are much safer because of the work we did, and and really. The first pro, uh, the first program I was working on over there was base access. So it, it, it started because there was a, a, a chow hall bombing in northern Iraq that killed a bunch of soldiers and civilians. And the SecDef said, we have to find a way to safeguard our bases so this never happens again. And so what what the you know, what came out of that was the BISA, the base access program. And in order for you to come on the base, if you're not coalition, um, you have to be enrolled in a in a, a biometric system where, you know, you put your fingerprint down and you're going to get a biometrically enabled smart card. So whenever you come onto base every day, you're going to put your finger on it. And if it's not you, you're not getting in. And at the same time, what's happening out in the field is you can still lift latent fingerprints off of an, and you know, exploded ordnance, um, you know, from an IED. So, you know, you, you're taking fingerprints you're updating a revocation list and you know if, let's just say all right he feels safe now because all of a sudden he has a badge so he can do whatever he wants not the case because if we pull your fingerprint and it, and it pops up in our list you're going to go on to hit one day and you're going to get nabbed up and interrogated and we're going to find everything we need to find about you and whoever else you're involved with so we had a lot of success catching bad guys through that means it's uh, it's what it's one of those areas, like you said. Like I wish they did like a show on it, or like a proper documentary, because it it is so fascinating. And I, I've I've had some guests on here, 
that used to be EOD. It would do the crime scene stuff there in terms of like the explosives and stuff like that. But the actual, the biometrics type stuff you're working on, it, it seemed like uh, you almost wonder like, are other countries doing this? Or are we, were we so ahead of the time when you were doing this that it kind of caught a lot of people sleeping? Yeah, and, and you don't hear a lot about this too because you know it's a very sensitive subject when you're talking about people's identity and biometrics yes. and stuff. Um, but yeah, this uh, a, a lot of what we were doing over there, you know, at the time was was all classified and and it wasn't discussed a bunch because of the security that went behind it. There was there were a lot of moving pieces, a lot of logistics, and uh, you know, when you have third country nationals, local nationals working with you, you know we need to try and keep them safe as well. So a lot of this was very quiet. As you finally come home back from uh, overseas, you kind of get away. I know you, you talked about other interviews where it's the violence and it was getting too dangerous. And Hey, maybe I need to kind of step back and figure out what I want to do. That time period between you and becoming a fitness and falling back in love with fitness again and doing what you do now, the amount you you mentioned being talked about being homeless, living out of your car, and like going filing bankruptcy, and the PTSD that would hit you. It's like in those moments before you became who you are today. Like, how do you? What are your words of advice to those that are struggling today? And those in, the, in those very moments you were in that think maybe giving up might be the best way to get out of this. Uh, my advice and and the way I viewed my situation, you know, is. I'm fortunate to still be alive when there are so many other people who who didn't make it back. And it, it, it it's constantly in my mind that no matter how hard it gets, no matter how dark it gets, you know, there are people out there who would want to be in your situation, even, even if you're at rock right. bottom. And if you can just harness whatever strength you have mentally, to push forward, there's going to be a reason why you're going through what you went through. And if you can just accept it at the time and know that it won't last forever and you will be able to pull yourself out from it, um, it's going to be a huge part of whatever story you have to tell. I get, I just talked to a lady the other day who reached out to me because of that story. And I have several veterans who reach out to me frequently to ask for help, for, for, for guidance, for just advice. Right. But it all, it all comes back to that one little piece where, you know, had this amazing Marine Corps career and here I am homeless living in my car. Um, I'll never be able to, to really describe what I was going through, but I'll, I will say that, you know, my family didn't even know I was so embarrassed to to really tell anyone that this was where I was now. And I, I fought tooth and nail to try and uh, get through it. But back to what defines, not defines me, but is the most important part of my life when it comes to my health is just being able to have that outlet, being able to go into the gym and train because you can, you can just help your mind get through the you know, the stuff, the, the bad stuff, and you can feel better. You can think more clearly. So that's one thing that I say about fitness, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your job is, no matter what fitness is something that transcends every occupation. It can help anybody and everybody anytime. I, uh, I think he's a mutual friend of yours, but I've had Pete Koch on the show, um, and successful live actor, uh, professional football player, 
I've had Mark Patterson on the show, successful football player. And what's interesting with them, it's like, John, when we talk, we talk about purpose when it came to their careers, like we've reached the top of the top, but that wasn't our purpose. Our purpose was Mark Patterson now climbing the seven biggest peaks in the world to raise awareness for epilepsy. Uh, Pete Koch is doing this fitness stuff for this idea of how to beat age and how to physically prepare yourself as you get older to keep doing what you love. And it's like their purpose now is to help others. It's it's so fascinating to you. Someone, if you looked at all your accolades in the military, you'd be like, if this person's not a three-star general or whatever, like this person's got to be best-selling author, everything. It's like you had to hit rock bottom to really realize what your purpose now is to help people with fitness, understanding nutrition. And you've probably changed more lives than you realize just when people have heard your testimony or seen you, how you present yourself. And there's, there's some immense power to that. Yeah. I, I can't express enough how, how important what I, what I do is. And I'm, I'm such, I'm so rooted in purpose. Like I, I literally cannot function without it. And uh, if I, and that's why, you know, I, I shifted at the beginning of this year to really focus on doing something different, build my fitness program and start to help other people. And in doing that, I've got into this kind of healing space where, you know, I'm helping people with autoimmune disorders and the learning curve is amazing, but there's just nothing better than being able to, you know, to speak to someone on a call who wants to work with you and you can just look at them and tell they don't have much time left, whether it's whether it's because mentally they're they're losing it or because physically they're losing it. But to be able to, to help them get back in the right mindset and completely change their life and then they pay it forward. You know, you're you're really extending what you're able to do through your clients, which is going to trickle down to other people. It's it's amazing. Yeah, that trickle down the idea of purpose being a positive drug. It's like it's always. I'm someone that when it comes to like say Christmas time, I love giving gifts. I don't really care about receiving it because I can get what I need or I have what I need. That's like I love seeing the joy of other people's faces, especially outside of even gift giving. The idea of some, if you're successful or you're 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 positive, that that's it's an infection that just when people see that you're positive or you're yeah, you, we all have bad days, but if you can project a positive mindset to that. It just, I love seeing people laugh and go, you know what, if he can do that, I can do that. If that kid that's dying of cancer or Dana Farber or going through treatments can have a smile on their face, why can't I? And it's like to get people to realize that type of thinking, that's what's going to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish we had so much more of that, you know, more, more selfless, less selfish, um, because there, there really is a, a tremendous impact that you can have just, just by giving like, you know, for me, what I, I, you know, I guess me being who I am, which, you know, people want my time. So when I'm able to, to give them a piece of my time, you can tell how much it means to them. Um, and again, it just puts things back into perspective, you know, and, and how great this country is being here and, and the freedoms we have, because I know for me, just being in the military and traveling the world, I have a lot of perspective on, on how good we have it and you know how bad it can be so it's important for me when i'm talking to people to just try and get them to understand that because we we tend to get caught up on some of the most minute trivial details that literally mean nothing right. in the grand scheme of what life even is 
How difficult is it for your job now in fitness? Like when I open, like when I go over the grocery store, I see like a Men's Health magazine. It's usually a shirtless guy or girl, and you flip through the pages, all the ads are half naked, sweaty. Try this granola bar. Try this powder. For someone like me, that's I I, I try I cut out my sugar as much as I can. I am very physically. I, I try to work out. I try to stay fit, and I try to I do intermittent fasting when I can. I try to just eat clean and stuff, but. When I see those ads, I'm so like, for someone like me that I consider myself have a decent level of like my control over it. Hey, don't eat that cupcake. But for someone that's trying to lose weight or is attracted to the sexiness of your industry, these different powders and proteins, and even when you go to the mall and see like a GNC, and uh, I, I walk by a cookies and cream bar, I'm like, oh, I need to have this. It's got 20 grams of protein. I'm just doing, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I think it's so sad to me that that, that type of, uh, that environment attracts people that are just like it's sad. Like maybe I'm wrong, but it's almost like they care more about the money than they do about the actual fitness and nutrition value of this stuff. So, like, does that frustrate you when you get clients, whether it's celebrities or athletes, are like, "Oh, I'm endorsed by this." And you're like, "Dude, what the hell is that? Drink water." Like, is how yeah. is that for you? Yeah, it's 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 pretty frustrating because I I turn. I turn deals down left and right because I'm not going to promote something that I don't really take. Right. So if I'm promoting something, you can count on I'm using it and it's got a thumbs up for me. But yeah, like you said, it's it's just so about the money. It's and it's unfortunate because you know food has literally become a an, an addiction. You know what I mean? And and you, yeah. you try and put out these crafty words to make things sound healthier than they are and just further decreases your health, even though it's supposed to be, you know, healthy or fitness related. And yeah, I don't get into it. You know, when I do my programming with my clients, it's all back to the basics. It's basics in, in the weight room and training. It's, it's basics, just walking. It's basics with food, like whole foods, whole clean foods, real foods, non-processed foods. That's going to change your life. That's going to make you feel better. That's going to make you look the way you want to eat. Not, you know, trying to you know your your favorite uh fitness influencer is endorsing this bar that has you know 20 grams of protein but look at you know the list of ingredients right. is like seven paragraphs long it's the other day i walked into the grocery store i saw a sign it said organic tomatoes and then next to another bit of tomatoes that didn't say organic just said tomatoes it's i've noticed it a lot lately what is the difference there like should we be worried that where we get our food at it's, it's leading to part of the problems we had with diseases or fitness and stuff like that. Well, I mean, if, if, if I can just get someone starting to eat more real foods, I don't even care if it's not organic, but I think that the, the big difference in uh, organic versus non-organic is essentially, you know, the chemicals that are, that are used on it. Right. Because, you know, you got these farmers will spray crops and whatnot and, you know, won't go near it for five days because it needs to aerate. And then it's like once the once the 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 crop is picked, it's got to sit in its own little greenhouse for like a month just to get all the 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 get the toxicity out. So in those cases right there, I mean, yeah, it's if I think their organic has has a has a good place. Um, but I think for the most part, if you're if you're washing your food and you're just eating clean overall, your your body's able to to handle real foods a lot better when you don't, you're not full of chronic inflammation from eating, you know, those protein bars and whatever we were talking about before that are just filled with garbage. Right. I mean, they taste great, but uh, that's part of the problem. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is like you, they'll literally hook you into it. Next thing you know, you're like, yeah, man, these things are so great. 20 grams of protein. And they, you know, six months later, you're, you know, your, your belly's flipping over your, your pants, you know what I mean? You don't feel good anymore. And you're, you know, you're shitting six times a day. When it comes to like the meal preparation for different clients, whether it's maybe a celebrity's trying to cut weight here, gain whatever it is, or an athlete's trying to do this, and you got to bring the person over here. How do you balance all that in with your own preparation, your own prep time? Because like, we only have 24 hours in a day. Like, how are you able to micromanage your own time versus what you do for in your career in life? You mean when it comes down to like how how I yeah like how, yeah, but obviously you got to get your fitness level. You got to get do your fitness nutrition stuff every day. But if you're working with other people, like time is time is time waits for no person. So it's like how do you kind of micromanage yourself to kind of work? Because if I look at you, I'm like. Man, in order to look that good or maintain what you have, there's a lot of time that gets put into that, obviously. But if you're also doing this for other people, you're giving yourself to these other people as well. It's like, for me, it's like, I'm just impressed by people like yourself. They can micromanage not only your life, but other people's lives as well. Yeah, it's it's a, it's definitely it's definitely a challenge and where time management is extremely important. I get up 4, 4.30 every day. Um, I try and get to bed because I get up that early, I try and get to bed no later than nine, excuse me, sometimes 10. If I can get between six, to eight hours of sleep, I'm good. But I, I really focus, I, I place a huge priority on sleep. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've been eating the same thing, doing the same thing over and over again for years and years and years. So it's so second nature. I can, I can, I can be anywhere and know exactly what foods I should get. But, you know, meal prepping for me is extremely important. Having having my meals prepped or having my food made, um, you know, even if it's spending one day where you're taking two, three hours, however long it takes to, to set everything up for the week, that's going to make sure that you're successful for the week. Uh, my garage is a, is a gym. My my dining room is a cardio theater. You know what I mean? It's like I just I've made I've made my home kind of in a way that. I'm able to sustain everything I need to do on a daily basis. For those that go on your social media and check you out, you've been kind of talked about the suit you've created and you go to your website, you see as well, but the, the creative process, obviously talk about the suit itself, but the, the amount of work and steps it must've taken to fine tune this to where you are confident this can, this works and you actually are out there showing it off. Like it, where was like, I think it's just insane to me that you're able to, a human could come up with this idea that no one has done it before. It's like for you to just talk about that for us. Well, so the, so this is, this isn't my creation. I, I, I came on board with this. And when I tried it for the first time, I was so blown away that uh, I, I'm hooked. Right. So the, the company is called catalyst and the, it's a, it's a electronic muscle stimulation suit. Um, I guess the best way to kind of compare it to something would be like if you've ever used the tens unit, yeah, I'm familiar um, with it. Where it, it it fires the muscle um, directly through current. Uh, so this is an entire suit that you put on. It's got four different modes. You got power, strength, cardio, and recovery mode. Um, you're able to you're able to work your fast and slow twitch muscle fibers. You're able to to train in you know short twenty minute increments. Uh, there, there's so many benefits to it. My, when I did it for the first time, I tried it because I, I have some shoulder issues. And at the time my shoulder was pretty banged up. So I got in there, did a 20 minute workout, put the suit on shoulder, a shoulder specific or shoulder centric workout. 
And I was sore for, I want to say six days in places that I would have never thought I would be sore. My adductors, my glutes, my upper right. chest, my biceps. And I was doing a shoulder centered training, right? So I was extremely uh, intrigued about learning more. Um, but the other piece that goes into this, why it's it was important for me to get involved is there's a quadriplegic that started working uh, in this suit. And I, I believe it was within nine weeks, he was able to actually um, not on his own, but with assistance, get up out of his chair and actually start moving forward, taking steps. Wow. You know, I, I want to say it was something like he was able to walk. I don't, however many feet it was, it was an extended, uh, an extended length. Right. Um, so me being in the veteran community, um, this is something I feel can help, uh, veterans in a tremendous way who, you know, are in that same condition or, or, or other conditions who could benefit from it. So I, I really want to, to focus on this. I'm doing a transformation right now um, with my programming coupled with, with catalyst to see what we're able to actually do with this. We're, we're documenting it. Um, awesome. But I, I really think as technology continues to advance, you're going to see things like this um, be more prevalent because this is life-changing stuff here for quadriplegic, not to be able to, to have, uh, you know, the, the mind to muscle connection, to be able to fire the right way and to put this suit on and to just bypass that and force it to, you're creating uh, different scenarios now that haven't really ever been studied. It's fascinating. When, growing up, I watched Puppy Iron all the time. He said, I love Lou Frigno and Columbo and Arnold. It's like, you just see them lifting weights or covering up in baby oil. But then when you see technology today as it incorporates into fitness and health, it's mind-boggling to me that the actual sciences now is like the technology is combining to kind of help people. Like you said, like to, where 10 years ago, that's not possible, but here we are. And then where we will be in 10 years from now, where what other fitness or technology will be out there that's kind of, so it must be kind of cool for you to be at the forefront of that and be like, try different things and see like what works, not only with your ideas, but maybe combine with other people's ideas to see if like, to make like a really life-changing thing for someone. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm not a I'm not a gimmicky guy at all. I'm I'm so old school in my thinking. I love free weights. I'm basic with cardio. I don't try and get into these flashy workouts that look good on Instagram because that's all they are is flashy right. things for Instagram. At the end of the day, the basics are still around because the basics work. However, when you implement things like this, um, that are showing more and more signs of success you can't make a lot of claims with it right now, but I know what I see and they know what they see and people know what they see. So it's only a matter of time before, uh, you know, this is going to be much more mainstream. There's a 75,000, uh, you know, person waiting list right now because of how many people want it. Um, it it's technology is revolutionizing uh, our industry and fitness in, in, a, in a pretty cool way. But I always say, be, be careful of some of the things that you right are interested in buying because a lot of it's just trash and garbage like was the shake weight did it have good intentions or like what was the <laughs> what was the gist of that i don't know <laughs> it was something i just never even i had the desire to try it's crazy how people capitalize on just impulse buys like that was everywhere for that one year or so and they came all these other stuff too where it's like it's just so comical that people would be like oh i'm gonna get this this is gonna change my life i'm gonna lose yeah. weight this is fascinating at, at the end of the day, it's just another example of you cannot out train a bad diet. 
Right. I know it's a cliche saying, but you literally can't, uh, you know, you can, you can train with the best trainer in the world with the best equipment, the best, you know, technology, whatever. But if you're not putting the right things in your body, minimal at most is what you're going to see. I love your correlation for the fitness life to like when it came to like the Hollywood stuff, obviously working with celebrities, but when it came to your actual stunt work or acting, one of the most bad shit movies I've saw in the last decade or so has been movie Bright. I love the concept. Um, and I know you've talked about in the past, like the the amount of work it took for you to kind of for the prosthetics and stuff like that. But when you work on a, a thing like a show like that or a movie or whatever, it's kind of it's gotta be so humbling for you to just be like, man, I went from all this from a young kid to being homeless to here I am in a huge production, uh, working with some great contemporaries, whether actors or makeup people or stunt men. It's like it's just I, I guess a two-part question. Like, what was it like when you got to finally get on set and start filming? And as you watch the final product of something like that that you were a part of, whether you helped the main star look great or get ready for the role or you were part of it, um, how awesome is it to kind of sit back at the premiere and just be like, man, I was part of something really cool here? It definitely makes you do a lot of reflection, at least for me, because I, I never – in my life thought I would be involved in Hollywood. I just remember as a kid being infatuated with all yeah. the crazy action movies, but to be, to be there on set part of it in a, in an important role where you're, you know, you're, you're going to see yourself and millions of people are going to see you across the world. It's, it's a real, it's, it's, it's surreal. Um, I'm, I'm pretty quiet on set. I, I'm one of those guys who, uh, I like to just kind of sit back and observe and watch and, and, and just take everything in. I'm all about learning every aspect of film and TV I can, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to, to be on set. You work with some of these people who you've seen for years and now here you are, you know, right beside them, reading lines with them, you know, cracking jokes, you know, sharing meals. Um, but it's just the humanity of it all that makes it real, you know, because at the end of the day, like we were talking about before, celebrities are just normal people right. like you and I. Um, they just have the world watching them. So if, for those that aren't familiar with the movie Bright, it stars Will Smith. It's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. But your character, GQ, um, he plays, for those, again, you're an orc. And But when it comes to, like, the prosthetics or doing that type of stuff, you still have to do your normal, whether it's fitness and eating and stuff. So it's like, how conducive are those environments to allow you to still do what you need to do as Aaron, as opposed to this character you're portraying? Yeah, that's that's when you rely on your uh, on your team okay. to, to to backfill you when you're not able to, you know, to to be involved because you're you're busy filming all day. So at the end, either at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, you know, you're trying to to do as much coordination as possible, and um, that's where you rely on your team to to give you the information you need. And then it's that time that they can get the information from you that they need um, or that I need. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not a, I've been, I've been burned so many times, but I'm not a very trusting person, which goes back to like, you know, trust is a huge thing when you're 100%. building a team and you're, you're opening them up to your world. And uh, it's important to have those people there who, you know, no matter what are going to have your back. No, I love that. Uh, before I let you go, this has been amazing, Aaron. Um, tell us a little about if someone wants to reach out to you on Instagram or Facebook and what's your usernames there and kind of other projects you're working on, any new movies, any new stuff you got coming on down the pipeline. 
Um, yeah, I'm most active on Instagram, but it, it translates across all my platforms. Aaron V Williamson on Instagram, A V Williamson on TikTok, and I forgot what it is on Facebook. Um, right now, I'm, the rest of this year, I'm really just focused on my my fitness business. Um, there's some projects coming up next year that I'm involved in right now. Um, hopefully by next, I'd say by spring to summer, I'll be back into the the mainstream uh, TV film stuff like I was prior to COVID. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a grind kind of refiguring out this new, this new life, uh, you know, based on the outcome of what happened with COVID because it really, it really caused a lot of people to lose their livelihood. And uh, um, for me, it made me put a lot of things into perspective and, and really find exactly what I, what I needed to do so that the things that happened to me over the course of the last couple of years doesn't ever happen again. And it is fascinating, and I try not to date the like COVID effect everyone, but the idea of fitness and health with the whole pandemic, when they told you the first couple of weeks, hey, all gyms are shut down, you stay at home. Like, it's crazy when you look at, you always look at the government and they're like, they don't care about your life and safety. They just care about control. It's like, if they really care about your life and health, hey, be smart and safe in the gyms or eat, don't eat this type of food because filled with pesticides or it's it's just crazy that the pandemic, it took two years of just utter bullshit to for people to slowly wake up and be like, you know what, maybe I gotta be in charge of my own life here because no one else gives a shit about me. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we saw that exactly when people were being rewarded for getting the vaccine by, you know, come get a vaccine, get a donut, or you know, it's <laughs> just we're so we're so backwards in, in the mindset of health. But again, I think it goes back to uh not getting political, but no, right. control. Yeah. Control yeah. is uh Control is everything, and and if it's not obvious now, then you might want to take the blinders off. Uh, Aaron, this has been amazing. I can't. Uh, I want everyone to start following you. Just check out what you do every day. It's very inspirational. It's it's motivating, and uh, I hope you continue to keep changing lives. And uh, I'm sorry you had to go through some of the stuff in your life, but I think part of the reason I'm glad you did because here you are making changing the world for the better. Um, and uh, again, this has been awesome. And uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, John. Thanks for having me on. Oh, hello. I'm just enjoying this nice fucking candle. Anyways, I'm John, the host of Spirit Talk, and I want to talk to you about nice fucking candles. We are lucky to have nice fucking candles as a sponsor of the podcast. And if you use code SPIRITALK15, you get 15% off your first order, or use the affiliate link below to always get your candle needs through nice fucking candles. Nice fucking candles are 100% soy wax, they have a 65-hour burn time, maybe more, if you uh, nurse the flame a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not an expert on flames uh, or candles, but I will say these things burn a long fucking time. You ask me about the wick. It's a double wick for even burning, which is amazing. And uh, they come in three incredible flavors. Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to be eating these candles, but if you do like them, the scents are eucalyptus and ginseng, tobacco and fireside, and seaside and driftwood. Once again, uh, nice fucking candles. They are the candle company for Spirit Talk. And if you love candles and need a good scent to clear out your office, your room, your podcast room, your weight room, uh, your whatever you're doing in a room that smells like crap, use this candle. It's amazing. Thank you. Check them out. Love nice fucking candles.
Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.